Deborah's home was stolen. No, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest growing white collar crimes. And this story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah goes on to say, I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need home title lock, because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. I'm all out of bubblegum. Standing up and speaking out, here's Hal Sparks. All right, you know, uh, one of those days uh, where you think you've got your show together and you're just going to go with the stories that you've built up. There's plenty of news to talk about. There's a lot going on. The whole world is full of nonstop news. There are people punching airplane seats, and it is the, the talk of the earth which is really striking considering the number of genuinely frightening things like coronavirus and the like that are going around. Um, and then you get a piece of news. I, I, I don't quite know where to even jump in with it. Uh, we, <laughs> um, there's like a hundred different ways. Oh, why goodness. Thank you, Chad, um, for the subscription. Um, at, uh, at some point, um, okay, let's just back up. So during this, during this entire time where, uh, we have had a, you've got Mike Bloomberg and, and, you know, entering the field late, spending a ton of money, just dumping funds onto this thing. The word on the street and around the block, everywhere you turn is Mike Bloomberg is buying the election. Now, my reaction to uh, I, I have no here nor there about Mike Bloomberg at this point. He's, to, in my mind, a relatively nondescript average New York mayor. And considering Rudy Giuliani's stance in the world, I don't put a lot of stock in the value of New York mayors these days. You know what I mean? It's a uh, um, I, I, I'm on the fence about that crowd. OK, so um, it's not that. I don't take, you know, the the money that he's putting into this whole thing seriously. It's not that I don't have a, a I guess, um, concerns about the amount of money that he's able to put into the race and to sort of buy the influence and all those kind of things. And my feeling has been since he jumped in that everybody keeps saying he's buying the election. He's buying the election. He's buying attention. And he's buying press. Now, in our election cycle with the voter, that helps. Name recognition, uh, visibility, you know, assertion of values, all those kind of things, things that can be done in an advertising scheme. Um, you could argue that that's what Trump was doing the entire time he was doing The, the Apprentice, let's say. Um, and in many ways, uh, you know, Bloomberg is kind of showing himself to be the left's Trump to some degree, I guess. And you can go, but he's not a real lefty. Well, like Trump is a real conservative. You know what I mean? So uh, as, as we're leading into this thing, I have had this feeling that both he and Stiers, having come in late, spending a lot of money, not really seeing statistical gains as far as, you know, a way, a path to delegates, for example, laid out in any of these things, unless there's a miracle on Super Tuesday, which I don't think either of them expect. So I've, and after Steyer's last performance, I had a very distinct feeling that he was up there basically wagging a finger like, look, if you want my help in this election money-wise, I need to know that I can count on you for certain things. It was his way of kind of getting his voice and point across and, and okay, so 
I, I just didn't feel like he was there to win. I felt like he was there to make sure that the rest of the team doesn't fall apart, that the infighting isn't so strong, that he doesn't mess with the whole, uh, you know, scuttle the Democrats' chances of beating Trump in the fall. And he was worried that that's happening. And so that's what he's spending his money on. Get himself on the debate stage. Get himself there so that he can go, look, guys, get it together. Okay, that maybe, maybe, right? It's That's just a feeling. There's no... But because I don't feel like him, he's really making an effort uh, in a massive way. The way he did, say, with the impeachment um, push that he did in the press, which um, I think we were all impressed by and appreciated for a good long while, although I thought it was, you know, when he started cutting at Nancy Pelosi, um, I'm like, dude, you're not getting that there's a strategy here. Um, and by jumping the gun, it may have ultimately harmed things. That's always a question, right? But that's, that's water under the bridge. But as far as he was concerned, I felt, uh, for a lot of people that maybe he was just there as an influence candidate, not actually to run just to kind of drive the conversation in ways that he thought in the way that Inslee was saying, we need to be all about climate, right? Okay. So then comes Bloomberg. So here comes Bloomberg and he's going to dump uh, everybody's talking about he could dump a billion dollars today and a billion dollars tomorrow. And he could just, you know, ramrod his thing is his, uh, way through the entire election and buy it and all that stuff. Right. And um, and I I. I have uh, there's limitations on my belief about that, because I think you can buy attention, but you can't make people believe what you're saying, not in this short order, if Bloomberg had been running what was effectively a billion dollar campaign to run for president starting three years ago, for example, where he was just constantly pushing. Um, thank you, Billy. That's awesome. Um, uh, where he was constantly pushing himself as a potential and seeding the conversation and always sort of being in media as a, you know, as somebody like building his own draft Bloomberg thing. I would almost buy it, right? Because that seems, um, you know, the strategy. Uh, you know, that, that would seem to me the long-term strategy if you actually want to become the president. Thank you, Lisa. Um, if that's your goal, you would have started two years ago. Now, you guys know me. If you come to the show, you listen to the show a lot. Um, I'm, I'm all about long game. I, I think if you're going to create something, you got to start thinking about it at least a good three to six months ahead of before you even launch stuff and and start. You can start test marketing and test ideas and see if people let's say you don't ever change your idea, but you want to find the best way to communicate it, which is most often the hardest part of it. Right. You start doing that years before when you're going to run for president. Right. If you look at Trump. There were people in this kind of draft Trump thing going back as far as I remember to like 2002. Um, even if it was a joke, there were a bunch of people, even if it was just him ginning it up on purpose, doing an interview like I'll do an interview, but you have to ask me about this. But you can't mention that I told you to ask me about this. That's a part of interviews you guys need to know about at some point in your life. But so Bloomberg jumps in in the tail of this. And the idea is, and the panic is real. Everybody's flipping out about this. And across the board, people are like, he's buying the election. He's buying the election. He's buying the election. I, like I said, I don't think you can buy the election unless you buy the voting machines like, uh, I don't know, Ivanka. And uh, you start paying um, or bribing or cajoling or blackmailing secretaries of state to ultimately support you, right? Um, that being said, um, one thing that you can do is buy a lot of attention. And the one thing that Donald Trump loves more than anything else is attention. I think uh, Freud, who at one point, uh, you know, everybody said that, uh, you know, uh, the money is the root of all evil. And then what the actual statement is, is the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, Freud uh, apparently bucked that and said, actually, um, attention is the root of all evil. And the idea being that the love of attention is the root of all evil. Now, uh, I love attention, 
but I don't need it. I, you know, it's part of my work as a performer, but it's not my raison d'etre. The only reason the attention is necessary to what I do for, for a living for, you know, is to a, let me know is like a sounding board that my ideas are getting through, that they're being communicated and they've got reach. It's not because it's about my worth. Like it's not like tracking Instagram likes and, you know, going, it's seeing your ratio of thumbs up to thumbs down as your meaning in life. Right. And, uh, my heart goes out to the generation that has grown up with that as their self-esteem anchor. But in the case of Trump, he's much more uh, in line with that. And there might be a very strong reason why Bloomberg entered the race. And it might not be to actually win the presidency. Um, and uh it, I'm right at the break and I'm toying with the idea of just telling you guys why I think I've come to the determination that this is full on trolling at this point, that Bloomberg is not actually running for president. He is running. He's spending a couple of billion dollars to troll the president out of office. That's that's it. I I think that's true. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to take a break right now. When I come back, I'm going to tell you why that is a little piece of breaking news. And uh, that's all I'm saying. All right, we'll be back right after this. This is the House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Imagine this Valentine's Day story is you. You're parked outside the restaurant where you're meeting your date in 10 minutes. Glancing in the mirror, you notice your wrinkles and large under-eye bags. You rummage through your bag thinking, where's your secret weapon? And there it is, Plexiderm. You apply the clear serum under your eyes and boom, two minutes later, you start seeing the under-eye bags and wrinkles disappearing in front of your eyes. You'll look years younger. Plexiderm is the clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. It's the Valentine's Day gift you give yourself. Go to TriPlexiderm.com and enter Voices for 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. Again, enter Voices at TriPlexiderm.com to get 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mention code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 90-day money-back guarantee, so to get our special discount, enter Voices at triplexiderm.com. Now let's get back to Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. My goodness, the uh, the everybody's guessing right now what the piece of news might be. Um, and it's, okay, it's from the New York Post, so I don't take, I take it with a grain of salt. That, that, <laughs> that said, it's bouncing also through Drudge. This also might be a attempted trollery or or uh, scuttling by the right. I don't know that it will do the job they think it's doing. But uh, the report is Bloomberg, Bloomberg reportedly considering Hillary Clinton as his running mate. That's the story. That's it. Yeah. Bloomberg reportedly considering Hillary Clinton as his running mate. You guys might have seen that uh, a couple of moments on the news. The people who have been running with this, uh, this according to uh, Drudge. Um, it says, the article says he's with her. Mike Bloomberg could team up with Hillary Clinton to try to take down President Trump in November by making her his running mate. Bloomberg's internal polling has found the combo would be a, quote, formidable force. Campaign sources told the Drudge Report Saturday, Clinton, who lost her 2016 White House bid to Trump despite winning the popular vote, said last week that she would probably not accept an offer to run as another Democrat's veep. I never say never because I believe in serving my country, but it's never going to happen, <laughs> as she said, talking to Ellen DeGeneres. But the former New York mayor may press the question. Clinton and Bloomberg were spotted together in December at a dinner with daughter Chelsea, which is probably where this came from, supposedly to celebrate the birthday of socialite Annette de la Renta. Um, this story is floating. I'm sure it will hit the Twitter sphere and, uh, you know, um, be part of this. But I will say um, that this may be in line um, in terms of a <laughs> stronger together, it says DC twenty two fifty seven chat. Um, this may be part of uh, you know, and it's 
this this story's floated in and out a couple of times. This is the first time it's kind of hit front front page on stuff, and I think that's the timing of it's kind of crucial. Um, and it may be complete hooey, but the leaking of it itself, the idea that you push this out or that you allow it to be pushed out, is part of what I'm talking about. That um, that Bloomberg, his entire presidential candidate candidacy at this point may simply be a trolling exercise that from a from a long-term health of the country and business standpoint for Bloomberg and all of his people they may be so and what reasoning would I have behind this the um the the main reason I think that he would have an impetus to pull to troll Trump like this and to get him out of office Especially if you consider that, like this, the mythology that somehow Trump is good for big business when he really isn't. He's he's actually good for multinational corporations, but not American companies. Um, and most of the, if you'll notice, most of the time when he's touting success in the country, with the rare exception of Apple, which you know obviously uh, he was uh, patting himself on the back for Apple opening a factory that it already had opened during the Obama years. Um, that he most of the time he's touting international companies building factories here, not American companies growth. As a matter of fact, most of the time he's, uh, you know, that he spends talking about American companies, he's attacking them a good general amount of time. If he's if he's touting a company, most of the time it's a multinational, even if it at one point may have started as an American company. The only ones he really boosts are the ones that are international companies, multinational, have, have, you know, corporate headquarters elsewhere. Uh, You know, Apple is an Irish tax entity, for example, uh, in that regard. Even even in that case, you know, it's it's true. Um, Thank you, Jill Garter. Appreciate the super chat. So I think I've been looking at this thing because, you know, Bloomberg's not a dumb guy, obviously. You know, he has had a um, you know, he's he's obviously a very, very wealthy man. He also um, in the circles that he knows in um, in New York City is very clued into, I guess, the other people who are uber rich in that area, at least enough to know that they all know Trump is not a real billionaire, that he's broke, that he's been broke for a long time, that if not for. Putin's $600 million filtered through Deutsche Bank during a time which, and I've said this before, during a decade which they had effectively shut off their post 9-11 software that catches sketchy transactions and, and tracks money laundering. They had had a glitch, an error in the software that magically happened during the same window of time that that no other bank would loan Donald Trump money because he was not trustworthy, where he had sued Deutsche Bank anyways, and uh, they still gave him $600 million. Why? Because they were told to give him $600 million, because they weren't loaning Trump $600 million. Trump did not borrow $600 million from Deutsche Bank. He got it from Putin. <laughs> Putin gave it to Deutsche Bank, and it went through that, like... This this is not even debatable at this point. This is just a reality. And on the scale of the money that we're talking about, this happens all the time. Well, to Mike Bloomberg, sick, yeah, Mike, the DC2257 is saying, uh, who's the other billionaire was the, um, somebody asked Bloomberg what, you know, should America have two billionaires running against each other for the presidency? And he said, who's the other billionaire? Um, so. Um, uh, yeah, caffeinated uh, Rutino in our uh, chat room is saying run with Hillary Rod Clinton and then resign, right? Just give her the, yeah, it's like Bloomberg could literally win the presidency, step down and hand the reins to Hillary Clinton. What can you imagine? Can you imagine uh, the the level of craziness that would be that would, in this country? Holy smokes. Um, uh, you know, 
Yeah, there that that in and of itself, I think, is is part of the conversation that needs to be had is Bloomberg. Because while I don't support his presidency and he's not who I would choose to vote for, I'm certainly a vote blue no matter who at this point. Um, And the reality. That at some point um, he may be just drop out hand any delegates he may have to whatever uh, candidate he believes should have them because he effectively did them through hired staff, not campaign. So he could Bloomberg could almost super delegate his way into the entire thing. That is the one way where you could technically say he's buying the election. That would be a point of concern is that a billionaire. And I don't know if this can happen on the right. It effectively did in that um, because the Republicans did not have a structure similar to superdelegates. They could not withstand an, an outside attack by a carpetbagger like Donald Trump. And that's how they ended up with him, that he was able to claim the presidency as, as effectively because they didn't have someone to say, no, you have to meet the standards of what our party says we are because we formed a party for reasons. Right. Um, that that's effectively how they got Donald Trump, that it, Bloomberg could effectively do a similar act with the Democratic Party. And you could argue that that's effectively what Sanders as an independent has done in his own way. Um, <laughs> and the prof gives uh, uh, 666 to the uh, purchase 666 Fifth Avenue uh, fund. I appreciate that, prof. Uh, he said he's asking, have we bought Jared's place yet? Not yet. We're still saving up um, for those of you that don't know. Um, you can super chat the show or uh, become a Patreon subscriber at, uh, for $6.66 and help us buy 666 Fifth Avenue. And I know what you're thinking, Hal, there is no way you could afford to buy 666 Fifth Avenue. Um, exactly. But that never stopped Jared Kushner. <laughs> so you see what I'm doing there? See what I what I did there? Thank you, Prof. Um, so I, what do you think about it? 773-763-9278. Is Bloomberg running for real? Or is this just a massive trolling exercise? Because he thinks the economic policies of Donald Trump, while they are good for business in the short term, because he is basically, um, uh, he he's priming the pump nonstop with uh, urging the Fed to go QE3, jacking up the defense budget, um, uh, allowing for new oil speculation and, and natural gas speculation and drilling in, uh, in government lands, he's effectively flooding cash into the market to artificially buoy it up. Same thing with the tax cut. Um, now, there is another concept behind this that I will also talk about in a minute um, after the break, which is an ep- economic theory um, breakdown that might get a little might get a little complicated in places, but I also think it's worth talking about. But um, Trump is effectively priming the pump all the time. And what, you, what happens when you do that is you eventually flood it and you can cause, uh, you know, uh, inflation. And then you've got um, if if anything hits the market and causes a, a downturn, you have nothing left in your you've run out of arrows to effectively take the beast down. And this and the deficit can run away. Um, that's the fear. And with coronavirus um, starting to show its economic impacts, especially as uh, supply chains that come through China are going to be affected, there's delays and and those have a cascading effect. Um, As those grow, and they will, I'll talk about that after the break as well. What if Trump has run out of taxes to break? What if Trump runs out of ways to prime the pump? There is no extra money. There, there's no money to be borrowed to do that. Um, right now, the Chinese government is flooding the stock market right now to artificially buoy it up so that they don't crash their own economy. Um, well, we got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Um, more about that. And of course, your thoughts, 773-763-9278. It's the House Parts Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on WCPT Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. Go to infotainmentwars.com and subscribe today to the YouTube channel. Help us boost those numbers. We've cleared the 10K number. We're very proud, but we need your help. And we're trying to seek uh, 500 Patreon subscribers. We're at 135, I think, right now. Um, anybody that can help, please do. 
And uh, I'll have sexy liberal dates after the break as well. We'll be back. Now let's get back with Hellsparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. You know, can I take a moment to uh, uh, Rocky Mountain Mike, who is saying, uh, you know, I uh, I skipped some of his A material in the chat room and I apologize for blasting by that. But if you don't follow Rocky Mountain Mike on on Twitter, I highly recommend it. And uh, make sure you check out all of his song parodies. Many of them played on the Stephanie Miller show. Um, the whole versions of them are on his YouTube channel. Um, how's that Rocky Mountain Mike? Is that enough of a boost? Is that good? Okay. So, um, I, uh, you know, I've been going through and, and we've got, a you know, a, obviously a ton of news going on in this, uh, world that's m- much bigger than the idea that Bloomberg might take Hillary as a running mate and, or may not. Um, and it's just a trolling exercise or somebody made it up to try and scuttle his presidency that they think that she's such an, uh, a, a weight, an anchor on anybody's, uh, aspirations that that would, that would effectively do it. I don't think that's the case. I, I think there might be a surprise buoyancy to that very idea. Um, it, it's, it, I, it's a curiosity. I, at this point, um, I'm not putting too much stock in it, except for the fact that it is quite possible that there is value in it as a trolling exercise for his point. So what I was saying about the economy in this last little bit is that um, one of the concerns that um, that almost everyone has is that through these big tax cuts for the rich, I mean, there's this Republicans have always had this uh, starve the beast attitude and they've been supported in this attitude by the libertarian wing of their party is the idea that if you make sure that the government doesn't have enough money for social programs by the end of your run by the end of your presidency you basically just spend like crazy on usually stuff you can either um claim some sort of cred on it sounds macho usually a lot of times it's military spending um, or you create you you create a, a a ginned up idea of a perceived enemy, and then you spend all your money doing you know a wall against the the you know the hordes that are coming that kind of thing where you can pat yourself on the back on it get, throw a little red meat at your supporters but you're basically just it's a, it's not about the actual thing it's about scuttling the budget of the next president it's about poking holes in the raft, right? Before you swim for shore. And in the case of uh, Trump with both military spending and his tax cuts for the corporations that have no sunset, but the tax cuts for individuals do, um, that that's effectively been the case. That you, you take that revenue that's available for something like uh, a public option or Medicare for all or the transition from the status quo to a public option to Medicare for all, whatever your ladder is to reach that goal. And you, you effectively make sure that there is no money to do that so that everybody who's fighting against it can do it from kind of a fiscal uh, point of view, as opposed to having to fight it on the moral merits. It's not that I wouldn't love to do that. You see, it's that we can't afford to do it and you can't save everybody. And, you know, most people, I, you know, the people should just, you know, take better care of themselves like that kind of idea. And, in, you know, so that that's effectively uh, I, I don't go in on many conspiracy theories in general. I find them largely to be crap. Um, but the seed of truth that is usually used in them usually has some sort of uh, people around it that were attempting to do something awful. And what conspiracy theorists often do is project that small group of evildoers within a certain circumstance onto the entire thing, right? Um, MKUltra wasn't just a part of the CIA's program. It was all the CIA cared about, that idea. Uh, that um, Dick Cheney's uh, wanting to give Halliburton all these um, no-bid contracts is 
the entirety of the reason we went to the war in Iraq. Those kind of things. Like, I, I think it played a part. It played a maybe an outsized part of it. But it's not the entirety of the thing. And not everybody is as guilty as the people who instigated that thing. So that said, um, in the case of, you know, Trump's, you know, economic plan as an attempt to sort of make it impossible for the next president to pay for social programs, that maybe it's entirely conceivable that as much as our economy can be a house of cards at certain times, one of the ways you could guarantee after two uh, terms of a Republican president, when you know because of how the American electorate likes a good game of tennis, um, it's more than likely the Democrats going to win. And this time around, it's a historic Democrat like like uh, Barack Obama. That he's probably going to roll in there and want to fix some stuff that they've been talking about for a long time. And one of them is going to be what became the Affordable Care Act, which in the beginning had a public option in it, which was gutted. You know, and, and I I as much as anybody go against the, the blue dogs because they were the defining votes in this. There were 11 of them that said if the public option is in there, none of the ACA gets through um, because my voters will reject it. I won't be in office. I'm not going to even allow that. Scrub out the public option and I'll vote for it that way. While as much as I'm uh, enraged at those people, um, remember all of the Republicans um, voted against it. So we tend to you know, focus very much on the the Susan Collinses of the world, forgetting that they're the wall that everyone else hides their immaturity and their immorality behind. And I think at the end of the Bush era, they were saying, you know, if we let loose, if we if, if we let off some pressure on the boiler by letting, um, you know, the Bear Stern stuff that's been backing up um, go through a little bit of a ruffle. Um, we'll stop the next president from being able to do this. And what they didn't realize was that it was about to burst and they couldn't control it. So Hank Paulson comes out and flop sweat going, everything's fine. And Baghdad bobs his way through um, three BS press conferences before everybody tells us the credit default swaps have gutted the entire economy um, for us for the foreseeable future. Um, so effectively, it's one of those things like your neighbor wants to call in a, um, a, a noise complaint on your party and uh, accidentally swats you is the, you know, it, it got out of hand in that regard for them. And that's what scared them and scuttled the whole thing. And, and that's why. Um, but it effectively works as a strategy. And and Trump basically is spending on the wall, the military, all these kind of things. It, and tax cutting at the same time. This is a Republican strategy to make sure that. Democrats don't have the funds to do the social stuff that they'd want to do, improve schools, education, infrastructure, um, health care, stuff that actually makes life better for the citizenry. <laughs> um, so it, 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 there is effectively no way to uh, keep priming this pump, that they are effectively doing this. And long term, if you're in business, like Bloomberg, I suppose, this is no good for you. I mean, there are ways to make money when people are losing money. If, but if you're not 100% evil, if you're just kind of a pragmatist even, you're going to um, worry about this kind of thing. Bloomberg seems to be in that zone, that gray zone of human. And so he may very well just be looking at the numbers totally in a Machiavellian, Darwinistic kind of way and go, look, uh, Trump may be giving me tax breaks on in the economic scale that I'm in, but I got more money than I can ever spend. And this guy's going to ruin it for everybody else. So we got to we got to do we got to stop this guy. Um, and that may be 100 percent his strategy. Hard to say. Um, this has been, you know, a, a little lesson on the economic strategy of the Republicans in general over time is that watch the last two years in office, because one of the, you know, there's very few things become politically or socially or religiously or, or you know, or on a, I guess, on a cultural level, repeatable if they don't serve at least two purposes. If something is just intrinsically self-serving, it won't work 
for long. You can convince people for a short time, but it has to have two or three other gives in it that are, you know, uh, humans like things in threes. That's why jokes work. But it's also why if you have three reasons why something is um, functional, people will buy into it uh, more, more, more readily. And in this particular case, you know, Bloomberg, I think, and and some of the others have a, an argument to the even the people around them that Trump will do more damage in the long run, and that he may have outlived his usefulness even to the most beneficial he could possibly be to corporate America. That said, new Politico uh, article coming out about how uh, Wall Street is sort of rooting for. Sanders because they think Trump can beat him and it'll be better for them. That's another conversation. Um, uh, we got to take a break. And when I come back, I'm going to take a call. I've got one caller on, uh, waiting on the line. I think another one uh, in the wings. 773-763-9278 is our number. It's the House Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. And uh, go to infotainmentwars.com. Follow me on Twitter, at House Sparks, and use the hashtag HSRPM to talk during the show, if that's where you are, or join the chat on our YouTube stream. See it. back. This is Tom Hartman, and you're listening to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Welcome back to the show. We got a couple of callers. Let me see who's there. Uh, who do we have first there, Devin? First, we have Peter out in Chicago. Excellent. Hey, Hal. What's up? Hey, Peter. How are you? Go ahead. Yeah. Good. Uh, as, far, as far as Hillary playing second fiddle, not going to happen. I think she's also right. put her name in the convention when it comes time for the votes from the superdelegates. Bloomberg right. is running, in my opinion. I think he wants it. Okay. I think his ego is okay. such that he's got nothing else better to do. And <laughs> Okay, just a know, board billionaire? The, the, he's running on a board billionaire plank? <laughs> that's what I think. Could be wrong. Yeah. Um, where's the outrage from the left, though, about white billionaires? We heard a lot about it with Trump. Bernie Sanders was on the millionaire billionaire kick last time around. Now he's only on billionaires because he's a millionaire. So where's right. the outrage? MSNBC and CNN, boy, they're on the Bloomberg bus throwing Bernie over the side faster than like an eye. But yet you don't see the outrage from the left about billionaires now, especially weak billionaires. So that's going to be an interesting play. I don't think as a, as opposed to as. As opposed to the white billionaire that's in there that you guys were so upset about the last time around, yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, guys, what do you uh, what do you mean? Uh, we not, guys were so upset. I mean Trump? Well, or, I'm I'm just saying what not white billionaire is what I meant. White billionaires, and now you got one running mm-hmm. for the presidency, and you're jumping on the bandwagon saying, "Oh, he's the greatest thing." Not all. But I don't know that anybody said that. I certainly haven't. Have you Have you watched Joy Reid or? Uh, any of the yeah, and I, I don't get that they're saying he's the greatest thing ever. I think the I think the, most of the conversation about about him has been about um, was his stop and frisk apology um, uh, enough, right? Fake? Yes, it was fake. Why didn't he apologize years ago? I mean, come on, look at the time between mayor and now. This is just like Obama did. Ran around apologizing for everything. And he's paying off all these black leaders. Obama didn't run around apologizing for everything. Wait a minute. Obama didn't do something. Uh, wait a minute. Are you okay, saying that Obama, Obama had stuff in his past, like stop and frisk, that he had to apologize for? No, 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 no. I was talking about what he went on the apology tour for the country. Saying how he didn't really, go on the apology tour for the Obama, country. Hal. Let's stay on topic here. It's about Bloomberg. I am staying on topic. You you drafted this in. You said that the you you made an equivalency. Hold on. You made an equivalent. You you personally made an equivalency. He didn't mean it, and it, it shows once again the left hypocrisy with doing what they're doing. So so you wait a minute. Are you concerned? So does that make you pro? Um, uh, so you're a Trump voter then I'm assuming. Of course. And I don't think anyone okay. out there is going to be Trump this, this time so, around because of what I he's see. done with the economy. And I don't think Bloomberg's got a shot. And, and, okay. and I'll tell you right now, if Bernie gets screwed out of this election again, 
you know, you guys are in, what, what's your motto? Vote for blue or who, whatever it is. Oh, no matter who, yeah. Supporters. Yeah, the Bernie Sanders supporters, trust me, are not on board with that. I know quite a few of them, and they talk about it all the time, that if they screw Bernie out of this at the convention, they're not going to vote for him, and some of them are going to vote for Trump just to spite him like they did last time around. Trump's um, not going to be beaten this time around. Sorry. I see. Uh, I see. Okay, so um, that that's an interesting take, though, that um, in your estimation— Bernie voters will not just sit this one out if they if he's not the nominee, but that they'll vote for Trump actively this time. I, I, I think it'll be a split. I think you'll find some moderate Bernie supporters who will vote for whoever it is, as long as it's blue. But the hardcores, uh-huh. they're either not going to vote or they're going to vote for Trump to spite him again because they feel like they're getting screwed once again. And well, did they vote last time oh in your God. estimation? I'm sorry? Did they vote last time, in your estimation? Did they vote uh, well, for Hillary or did they vote for Trump? Out there, for all the reporting that's out there and friends of mine, some of them didn't vote at all. And some of them voted for Trump just as a spiteful vote. I mean, they thought Bernie got screwed. And, and, and how do, and how do you think they feel? Uh, so, so we've got somewhere in the order of um, 800 child separations, but 200 are missing. They have no way to track. They never set up a system okay. to track. You know what? Um, that kids. stuff doesn't matter. Uh, and that, no, and matter. how do you think they up. take that as far as the, their sort of moral obligation in this argument? Do I, they have any? I don't, think they give a, I don't think they give a rat's patootie. I don't think they care about that stuff. What they care about... So is Bernie voters don't care about literally disappeared no, children no, that's that's, because they're, because they're so spiteful. That's all hype from the media guys. Obama separated kids. He built the cage. Yeah. You know that. Yes, he did. So, he did. But the, you the know what the difference was? The zero tolerance policy. Yeah, zero tolerance. Meant that there was a difference between, hold on a second. Wait, if you're going to bring that up, then I'm going to answer it because that's the reality. Right, if you ahead. don't, if you want to pass on the details, that's fine. So Obama set up a situation where somebody who was brought over who committed a secondary crime, specifically a gun or drug offense, or the person was involved in directly in human trafficking, the child was separated from them until such time as they could ascertain that that child was actually theirs. And they did, which is the exact same thing, by the way, that happens to an American child um, until they can be put with another relative or placed in a safe foster home in the same situation. The difference was Trump made the act, wait, the act of crossing the border at all on the same par as having uh, human trafficking, drugs, or uh, gun crime. So even asylum seekers qualified as committing crime. That's what zero tolerance was. So the children all got removed, not based on their own safety, their own reality. And he, and here's the thing, even if you support that idea, even if you think that's the way to go, they didn't materially have a system set up to manage where the children were going, who was taking uh, possession of them during the time that they would go into foster care and how they would be returned to their parents afterwards. That lack of management and disdain for human life in and of itself is is the most despicable aspect of this whole thing. You can believe in the necessity of the child separation, but arguing that this person that's in the White House right now managed it in a way that has any morality or humanity is the problem in and of itself. And if you're saying that you and your Bernie Sanders voting friends who are actually Trump voters in disguise who no, sound like they're just trying to scuttle, yeah, that they don't actually care. No, if you were a genuine it's Bernie not. supporter okay. and you believed in things like Medicare for all, you certainly aren't pro-child separation in that aspect. So if you're willing to play ducks and drakes with that whole thing, so, then you're so not legitimately a Democrat and you're certainly not legitimately a Bernie supporter. And I appreciate the call. Cheers. So, see you later. Yeah. Um, next time, announce who you are uh, and what you really believe in the beginning instead of pretending that you're on the left and you're concerned. Um, we have one more caller, and I've only got three minutes, so I wanted to make sure I got them in. All right, next we have uh, out in San Francisco. Oh, cool. Okay. Oh, hey, yeah, David. 
You know, uh, I was interested in uh, in rigged games, right? And when you, you remember a few, um, it's probably over a year ago, the crooked Supreme Court came up with a ruling saying you can out, you can have uh, gambling across national or yeah national boundaries. Uh, mm-hmm. So when you think of this new problem of rigged games, and then you allow the the gambling money every week to be sucked out of to the Cayman Islands, that's like a Pretty creepy uh, setup for America. So uh, right. rigged games are being approved of, and uh, out, uh, quick transfer of electronic money to the Cayman Islands through gambling. So what could go wrong? Well, this is a system not un- not dissimilar from how um, uh, Putin extracts money out of Russia on several fronts by getting a piece of effectively everything, setting up a taxing or a, uh, a fee-based system on nearly everything that has to be filtered through a buddy's uh, economic system. Like they basically outsource an internal oligarch's um, monetary system well, you know, either uh, around these kind of things. And then they filter and then they basically skim it off. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, say again. Well, interstate gambling would be investigated by Attorney General Barr. He doesn't seem to be an honest kind of fellow. No, he does not. (laughs) That is abundantly clear. And and we'll talk about that after the break. It's a a good tee-up. I appreciate it. Um, Yeah. Um, My concern with him is that he's effectively, that everybody is buying that somehow by him letting off McCabe, um, that that was... And him bucking Trump. And it frankly is not. And I'll talk about that when we come back. Um, I appreciate the call. Um, I wish I'd have given you more time than uh, our, our troll. But, you know, that's how life works out. We'll be back. So, um, obviously, uh, there's a lot happening in the world. Obviously, there's a lot to get to, especially in this hour. I'm not going to, I don't want to get too distracted off that, but Ike is on the line and I want to get to him right out of the gate because if I wait too long, there'll be too much stuff to talk about. We'll get all stacked up, we'll run out of things. Ike, please join us. How are you, sir? Let me give you Hi, brother. I'm glad I'm uh, well enough to call in. And uh, me too. Let me let me let me give you a break. Uh, let, let me talk to Mr. Trump troll. Hey, buddy. Let, yeah. let, let's get something straight. The Bernie people learned their lesson, and they paid a high price for it. And by the way, they can continue to cry about him supposedly getting screwed. But the fact of the matter is, he lost by four million votes. There was no competition between him right. and Hillary Clinton. You can talk about the superdelegates, and you can throw all the chaff in the air you want. Listen, let's talk about your man. That's what counts. Let's talk about your man. We're talking about right. a guy. We're talking about a guy that's the head of a Republican Party that's out there spewing lies like, "Oh, Democrats support babies being murdered after they're born." He's right. talking stuff like, uh, you know, uh, he's talking stuff like, uh, "We love." Uh, you know, illegal immigrants. Let me tell you something. He had this, he had both the house and the Senate the first two years. How come he didn't mm-hmm. do anything about it? I'll tell you why, that's right. because neither of these two parties want to go after the employers. And you know, damn well, that's the solution. The biggest part of the solution to the problem, you go after the employers and you put a stop to it, but no, mm-hmm. they're not going to do it. Okay. You want to talk about uh, Bernie Sanders or you want to talk about our side? Look, here's the deal. It doesn't matter which one of these guys. Oh, and by the way, all of them are ahead of your boy. And if you haven't noticed since the midterms, you've been getting your butt handed to you. We've taken over governorships. Hell, we took over not only the governorship, but we took over the entire government in Virginia. We're not playing. This is not a joke. And we are not going to stand by and watch scumbags 
roll into right. fascism and continue to, to, to prop this fat clown orange space piece of garbage up in our country. That ain't happening. We do not want a Russian style dictator, which is for some reason, you people have the problem with the daddy issues and it seems to be what you want. Well, you know what? Again, go back and look at what's happened since we did the midterms. We've taken over what? Eight, 10 different governorships. Buddy, yep. you can't read the writing on the wall. You're blind. You need to stop watching Fox News and listen to the, uh, you know, all that garbage talk radio crap you listen to and get your head out and start looking around. Because I'm telling you right now, the Democrats ain't going to play with you this time. It's going to be a bloodbath. And for you, Hal, and everybody mm -hmm. out there, I think another thing that we need to start talking about uh, mm. the hell with the damn race. I don't care what goes on in the race. Let them, let them do what they're going to do. When you finally get one pick, that's who I vote for. I don't care who he is. Now, what right. I want to know more about, she. I, I want to know, Just I want to highlight more about what Trump's doing. And I want to highlight more of what's going on in these Senate races. And we need to start paying attention because we need the Senate as much as we need that white house. And, and for the Trump card, I got to tell you something, buddy, you let us get control and you'll have a much better country to live in and you can sit there and cry all you want, but that's the fact. We will get health care. Right. We will do something about our kids being murdered. We will do something about the drug problem. We will do something. We're going to go through this thing and we are absolutely going to make billionaires start paying what they should be paying. The corporations quit hiding their money and, and paying a decent living wage. Oh, and by the way, you know, the only reason that you got any wage gains under this idiot is because Fight for 15 has been fighting across the country and they got uh, a number right. of these states this year. Half the laws implemented wage. six years and ago are finally coming, are from. finally happening. Right. Yeah. And don't tell me one other thing. Don't sit here and give me this garbage. When you bring up when socialism's brought up, don't give me this crap about Venezuela and Cuba. Let's talk about Sweden. Let's talk about Denmark. Let's talk about a lot of these other countries that have socialistic systems that have millionaires and billionaires and good, hardworking people that are making a good living wage that are getting universal health care. You know what? You're supposed to be part of the greatest country in the world, the richest country in the world. Why the hell don't you act like it? We can't afford it. Stop these damn wars. Let's get our act back together and take care of not only ourselves, Try taking care of our own hemisphere. That's right. You know what? Uh, I want us to win this time and and shift into an actual functioning democracy. And then I want us all to save up and send Ike on a vacation just so he can relax after all this. Because the, have, you having to carry the weight of all this stuff in you the way I know you do and the way we all care about these things and want to see them changed. Uh, I, I just appreciate your passion, brother. And I always I have to say, you need to know midweek sometimes when I'm just walking around, I, I have a moment of concern and I go, I hope Ike is okay. I hope he's doing all right today. Hey, I man, think about y'all. I, I mean it. I, I ain't gonna kick it. I ain't gonna kick out. I'm just a little bit down, you know, 60, 60. No, I, I, you know, the problems I've got, but. Oh but yeah, no, man. Hey, you know what? One thing I can guarantee you, I ain't going nowhere until I get this vote. I'm telling you now, we've got to take this over. I want to see a bloodbath. Vote every one of these scumbag Russian operatives. An electoral bloodbath, just to clarify. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, political bloodbath. Okay. Yeah. Yes, right. I, I will always clarify that just so that we don't, you know, my, my YouTube channel doesn't get taken down. Um, <laughs> but um, but you know, I, I, you're absolutely I right. And I, like here's grant, the thing. Brother. And this, Ike, I want to have a question for you, Ike. I, I really have yeah. been thinking about this a lot lately because the whole because of the whole Bernie bros thing and yada, yada, yada. Last time around, there was a big talk about people pulling out and not voting and they didn't vote for her. And I think there was some scuttling of votes and yada, yada. But it was about 75,000 in three different states. It was that was the difference. Right. You know, she won by a tremendous amount. I don't think it was that different ultimately than Republican to Democrat voting standards in the last few all this wailing and gnashing of teeth that we see each time around. And most of the time it boils down to almost the exact same margin of voters, almost the same every time, even if some people rotate in and rotate out. That said, I'm beginning to think that at least this time around, 
the Bernie bros of the world, uh, but for a few outliers who were stuck around from last time, are largely a manufactured trolling exercise by spoilers. That these are not legit uh, supporters of what Sanders wants or believes at all, because if they did, they wouldn't behave this way. If they really believed what he is shoot, he is for, they, you know, they would go, you know, they would have a different perspective on life than they allegedly do. Now, are there some real ones? Probably. But I also think there's a lot of spoilers out there who never intend to vote for him, who are like, if that, like the guy said, won't vote at all or will vote for Trump. My, my idea is that they were always, those voters were always going to vote for Trump or whoever the right winger is, pretended to be Bernie voters just to gin up controversy and conflict in the other side because there's valuable uh, there's value in that and it does work and then there's some other people who aren't going to vote but never were going to vote and don't vote every time and then by the time they vote they're a different age bracket so they're counted in something else else it's like the youth vote idea everybody talks about the youth vote every every election and it's a different group of people each time there is literally a right. different section of human beings. Every time we talk about the youth vote, we act as if it's the same 18-year-olds from 1992's Rock the Boat. They're different people, and they each have to well, be convinced every single time. There's no way to lock that group, and there never will be. What, and yeah, the, what, what, you know, the biggest thing, the biggest thing the Democratic Party could do, every one of them that are up there running right now, is they could go mm-hmm. ahead and just go ahead and, and say it out loud. Okay, Bernie's selling the FDR second bill of rights, and we support mm-hmm. that. But now, when he starts talking about nationalizing the power companies and some of this other stuff, he's going a little right. too far. He needs to be careful. Well, and that. also, it won't happen. I we think. I think a lot of people recognize. I think a lot of people recognize that it won't. It's materially impossible um, unless the entire organization of the government were completely. Uh, on board with him as a as a president. And that's never happened in the history of presidents. If that were true, a similar bull rush would have been created by Trump's presidency. And, you know, and while they, you know, they seem to be letting all of his judges through, they also tend to scuttle by ignoring um, a lot of his priorities the rest of the time. Because don't forget, a lot of the House bills that the Democrats have pushed through and a lot that the Republicans pushed through before we took over are sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk. Mitch McConnell, by not letting a lot of stuff come up, is not just bringing, not, he's absolutely creating a wall, forget the uh, the metaphor. Mitch is the genius behind Trump. He's the man. He's the one that's forwarding this Christian coalition crap and taking over. Yes, exactly. That's right. Uh, You know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Check your registration. Get somebody registered, and let's put the right. Trump target carpool vote.org along. That's right. That's right. Uh, we, we're exactly. at the break, Ike. I just wanted to talk to you Dude, right buddy. out of the gate, brother. I appreciate uh, it. Uh, we I legit uh, care about you, and I think about you often, and uh, I look forward to seeing you in person sometime very soon. So uh, have hey, a safe one. Have a great buddy. week. Keep your blood pressure you down. Got it. Uh, some breathing exercises, drink some water, take care of yourself, and, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Uh, it's the House Park. Thank you, brother. It's the House Park Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on WCPT Radio. We'll be back right after this break. Um, we got to talk about some uh, some of the news of the week, including uh, the Bill Barr story. And while all that's happening, coronavirus. Uh, will be and is affecting the economy. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. Now time for the happy ending. Yay! Yeah, we'll try. I'm trying desperately to make sure that there's a happy ending. There's a couple of good things going on. Um, You know, there's a couple of little positives that I I liked. Um, eh. One of them was... uh, was uh, this? I, I mean, I guess I would call this a, a happy ending aspect part of it. It is for me. I think it's great. It's, uh, Megan Rapoport, the uh, multi-hair colored uh, soccer player who's pretty fantastic, uh, has said she's not ruled out running for office. That'd be cool. I'm just floating that out there. I'm a fan. There you go. Um. Um. 
And yeah, so that that being said, um, and I, Devin, I don't know if we have other callers or not. I didn't ask you during the break. I apologize. I don't Nope. Good. Okay, cool. I thought we'd gotten everybody. I just want to make sure. Um, so, um, obviously we're talking a lot about the, uh, the novel coronavirus. Here's, here's what you need to do. And this is true. This should be true every flu season. Anyways, um, wash common surfaces, sneeze into your and cough into your elbow. If you think you've got an actual illness, stay home. Um, and don't spread it to other people. Isolate yourself if you can. Um, and if you can't go to, uh, an urgent care or your GP or somebody, um, to have them check you, uh, just to make sure you're not spreading something else because you can, it's the cascading role of this that I'm most concerned about because people may not have any contact with it. They may have the, just the common flu, but they can pass that on as well. Um, but in the process of having it and fighting it off, if they get this as well, it's a completely separate disease. And can if your lungs and your system are already weakened, um, it could interact with you even worse. So the, the point is, um, take all the precautions that you should be taking to keep yourself clean. Hand sanitizer, um, you know, when you're around common places, um, just be aware. Don't touch your face. That's what masks are for most of the time. Wearing a mask. Again, we were talking about the possibility of it being airborne. Uh, the, there is some evidence that it is uh, because of medical it, it, providers getting it, medical personnel, nurses and doctors. Um, we can't know if they came in physical contact or how long it incubated in them for a long time. So it may have been physical contact that got them doing, but it's best to be um, safe rather than sorry. The Chinese are very comfortable wearing masks in public, do it all the time. But that actually doesn't keep the disease out. It keeps it in. Thing about wearing masks is it keeps you from touching your face. And how you get sick most of the time is you touch a surface that's got an illness on it, and then you touch your face. You touch your eyes, you touch your nose, you touch your mouth. Happens all the time. You don't even think about it. When you're wearing a mask, you tend not to touch your nose and mouth that much. That being said, uh, keeping an awareness of that is very difficult. But just keep your hands clean. If you're when you go to the bathroom, wash your hands before and after. Just a thought. If you care about your own physical health and cleanliness, just <laughs> throwing that out there. Um, you know, that said, by the way, um, I want to thank everybody who's, uh, who's uh, super chatted today. You guys are lovely. I, I'm still rolling back trying to get to your uh, comments in the, um, in the chat. And I apologize if we've had a couple of, silly little bots in there. Um, but you know, what are you going to do? It's just the, the nature of it. Um, but in, as, as we look into, and this is probably going to be the, you know, how we get into this, we've been talking about bar and this week, there's been a lot of this, like New York times has this article. And I think this is indicative of the entire conversation, how Trump's relationship with bar got so complicated. A whipsaw week of charged deci decisions by the justice department, some favored by the president, Others not has bewildered much of Washington. This is a story by uh, Peter Baker and Michael D. D. Shear, who I, uh, I I'm a fan of. I like their writing most of the time. Um, President Trump called the Justice Department's handling the Roger Stone case a disgrace um, until it went his way. Um, but um, there's this thing about how, you know, they, they go and they address the, whether or not Roger Stone's going to get nine years for what he did. And again, this is about impacts and, and seriousness. Let's understand that when somebody like Roger Stone goes uh, to jail or even Mike Flynn or anybody like that, you go to jail for a, a nonviolent fraud type of crime. You don't go to a Rikers like place because you're not going to murder anybody while you're in there. They're, they're not worried. And most of the time, the idea is that you plan on having some sort of legit-ish career, certainly nonviolent, but definitely um, business-oriented career afterwards. So you're not going to try to escape either. There's no upside to you sneaking out. There's no upside to you knifing another prisoner and staying in longer. You're not going to gain anything. So white-collar prisons have a specific purpose. And they need fewer guards and fewer tech and that kind of stuff because these guys basically police themselves is the idea. 
and it's largely guys, but there's, you know, there's, I guess, I guess, uh, uh, minimum security women's prisons as well. When you go and, you know, bad checks, things like that, you go serve that time there. You're not going to leave because you plan on living as you the rest of your life, you know, and you're not there for a capital offense, even though I think some of us would argue that, you know, if somebody's holding up a grocery store and they, or liquor store or something, and they shoot somebody in the process while they deserve to go to jail forever because they killed someone. You could argue the same would be true of the, say, the guys in Enron who, by turning off the power to benefit themselves financially, probably killed some people who needed the electricity in their home to run the medical devices that kept them alive. That kind of idea. You know what I'm saying? I think there's there's an argument to be made there, like a depraved indifference kind of an idea that I would like to see pushed at some point. That said. Even those guys, though, are not going to try to cut the fence and get out, and they're not going to kill anybody. So you put them in a minimum security thing. So when Roger Stone goes to jail, he's you know he's not going to a, a, a violent place most of the time. A uh, rare exception, but that's it. The other thing is because it's it's largely a nonviolent, um, but you know on, on sort of on the level of financial crimes. And again, we can argue. Some of those crimes have more dead people than a, sh- than a holdup does. Mm. We can have that conversation later. That, that's, uh, I would argue that that is true, and that makes me get angry whenever I discuss these things, that the Roger Stones of the world will not only get nine years in a minimum security place, they will also only serve two to four of them and be released on their own recognizance and end up with parole because you don't want to pay for them to stay in there the whole time. And you just keep them in there long enough for them to be miserable for a while. <coughs> um, and the irony that, you know, the mandatory minimum aspect of things is one of the reasons why Roger Stone has the long uh, sentence that he has. And by rescinding those mandatory minimum aspects of the multiple felonies that he's guilty of, uh, the Republicans are now making the case to scuttle mandatory minimums, which is hilarious considering their position for the last 35 years, 40 years, 40, 45 years, forever. I don't know. Anyways, we got uh, We're at the end of the show. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate all your support. Infotainmentwars.com. Please consider supporting the show by becoming a Patreon subscriber. I will see you guys at the Sexy Liberal shows. Sexyliberal.com slash tour is the dates. We're coming. We're going to Seattle. We're coming to Madison. We're going to do a special live HSRPM the day we do the Madison show down in uh, in Chicago. And then I'm driving up there. We're all going to, you know, caravan up there. <laughs> but well, that's another conversation for another time. We'll see you another time. Those of you sticking around, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Devin.